there is a sound There is a sound I love to hear It's the sound of the Savior's robe As he walks into the room Where people pray Where we hear praises He hears faith
Church Livonia, welcome to the party. We are so glad that you're here. If you're new or you've recently started attending, we just want to welcome you into our church community. Let us know that you're here. The only way that we'll know that you're here is if you click on the digital bulletin, click on the digital connection card, say, what up? This is who I am. And give me a chance to say hello this week. I'd love to connect. I'd love to learn about who you are, how you found out about us, or you can comment in the comment section right now and say, what up? We would love to chat with you. Here at Life Church Livonia, we are launching our home campaign. We are in phase two. And what I want to invite you to do is register immediately right now so that we can make sure you get some food at the fundraiser dinner. It's taking place this Friday. And this is going to be an opportunity for you to hear about the vision behind why it matters that we have a permanent location. This isn't just about having a place to hang out and do uh, life. That's a part of it. But this is a place for us to build meaningful community, to transform the Metro Detroit area. And we want to talk more about that this Friday. So register and let us know that you're going to be there and join us at our fundraiser dinner this Friday. As we move into the winter, wah, 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 I'm very sad about it. What is good is that we are launching, we are actually hosting our next series and that's going to be kicking off in just a couple of weeks and it's called Simply Christmas. The world is chaotic and stressful and crazy and makes Christmas some big crazy thing and we don't need it to be that. We want Jesus to be the anchor of our lives. And so we're just taking this back to the basics. And so join us as we kick off this next series. Invite your friends, invite your people, come and hang out with us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. so that we can really get down to the basics about what matters about Christmas. As we move forward with our service, I want to invite you into giving. Giving is an opportunity to surrender what we have to the Lord and say, I trust you fully. There are two ways that you can do that. You can do that through PayPal. You can do that through our website. Uh, they're very simple ways of giving back to God and recognizing that everything you have is his anyway and that he is the ultimate and absolute provider. It's really scary. I know that I struggle a lot in this area of knowing like I don't have to frenetically work to manage and accomplish meeting my needs, that God is ultimately my provider. And so join me as I pray and we relinquish control over what we think is ours. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the way that you provide for us. And I ask that you would speak to us today and provide a word of truth, a word of comfort, a word of encouragement that we might depend on you for our transformation. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us and care for us in everything we do. Open up our hearts and minds so that we might receive a word of truth today in a way that we have never experienced before. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Life Church Livonia, and welcome to our Sunday service online. If we haven't met yet, my name is Alex, and it's great to be here with you today. Welcome to our series, Life Is. We are in the midst of a building campaign here at Life Church Livonia. And uh, I wanted to take some time, we're calling this our home campaign because we're looking for a home base in our city. And as we've talked about what are the reasons, you know, we're doing this and I've talked to people, what are you excited about? People have been telling me things like so excited to have a permanent place, excited for that additional security of feeling like, man, we're really going to make it. And those, those are all beautiful things, but those are not the why we're doing this. We're doing this to follow Jesus together. And in this series, Life Is, I just wanted to take a minute to remind us what life is all about and what Life Church is all about and why we are moving towards this next step as a community. So our vision at Life Church Livonia is called Real People, Real God, Real Life. That real people would experience our real God and experience real life and life to the full in Jesus Christ. And our mission is called Know, Grow, Go that people would come to know God, grow in depth of relationship with He and His body, and go and serve the world. So week one of this series, we talked about know how life is about knowing God. We talked about this story Jesus tells where there's two lost sons who both need to come home to the Father. And then last week, we talked about how life is about growing and that God made your life to grow into a gift to the world. And we talked about this story about a mustard seed and a story about a fig tree. And this is kind of a, a, a end of that sermon from last week, if you will, because the question is begged, right? If my life is a gift to the world, what do I have to give? How do I give my life? What does it look like to give my life as a gift to the world? And so we're going to be answering that question today. And I want to start the answer to that question by talking about this movie called Spirited Away. Spirited Away was a film that 
um, is a Japanese animated film that won an Oscar in 2003 for the best animated feature film. By critics, it's been largely regarded as one of the best films of the 21st century and maybe one of the best animated films ever made. The story follows a girl named Chihiro as she is kind of coming of age. And when the movie opens, Chihiro is a very unlikable protagonist to the viewer. She's bratty, she's snotty, she's pouty, she's a bit of a jerk to her parents, and the viewer is kind of meant not to bond with her instantly. Her and her family are moving, and on the move they happen across this kind of abandoned Japanese carnival. And um, they kind of take a, a moment to investigate. And as they're investigating, going, what's going on here? Why is this in the middle of nowhere? Her parents find this all-you-can-eat buffet with no staff, but tons of fresh food. And so they sit down and they go, this is amazing. And they start eating. Chihiro doesn't want to eat the food, so she goes wandering off to look at other things and encounters a young boy named Haku. Haku looks at Chihiro both surprised and then with a sense of urgency. And he says, you have to get back across the river before sunset tonight or you're going to be trapped in the spirit world maybe forever. Chihiro obviously panics and runs back to get her parents only to find that they have been turned into pigs. This sets Chihiro on an adventure to save her parents and a truly sacrifice for someone and something bigger than herself. She encounters many spirits on this journey through the spirit world to free her parents. Some of those spirits are friends, others are enemies, and some are a little bit of both. One such spirit is a character named No-Face who's pictured here. Now, No-Face is a character that consumes any and everything that he wants. He, he trades, though, something for that consumption. He can swallow anything and vomit anything up, but he also has no identity. And this is just like Chihiro's parents at the beginning of the movie. The more they ate from this buffet, the less human they became, and they turned into animals. Now, one of the themes of this movie, and the reason I bring it up, is this movie is a commentary on the westernization of Japan. You see, in the West, we see ourselves as fundamentally empty. We start life empty, and we need to be filled with experiences and things, and with society, and with stuff, and this is the backdrop of every single commercial and marketing thing in America, right? Here's the bad news. You lack something, and it's kind of essential and important, and without it, you're incomplete. But the good news is, I have it, and with five easy payments of $9.99, you can have it too. Right? This is the backdrop of capitalism. And the commentary of Spirited Away pushes back against that narrative and says, no, 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 no. You don't start empty. You start full. You start with a full and whole life to give as a gift to the world. And the more we consume, the emptier we become, not the fuller we become. Now, one of the things I love about that, that idea and the message of the film is that that worldview is so much closer to the biblical worldview than our modern American society. Many of us believe that we start empty and we need to be filled, but the truth is we start full. We, when we spend our lives trying to fill ourselves, we end up like the fig tree from the sermon from last week, and you can go check that out. But like we talked about, a selfish life self-destructs. Not only that, but we end up exchanging a life of savoring and giving and enjoying for a life of chasing and taking and wanting more. And you may find yourself here this morning thinking, Alex, that's all well and good and very sentimental and idealistic, but my life just does not feel full. In fact, I, I feel empty all the time. And maybe you're here this morning and you're feeling empty in your spirit. You feel purposeless. You feel depressed. You feel just plain beaten down by life. You feel far from God and you're wondering if he's even there. You hope he is, but in your spirit you're just so depleted you don't know what to do next. Maybe you're feeling empty financially. Maybe you feel that you work your butt off every single month just to make ends meet. And some months you can't even do that. The stress is so high that when I say a word like give, you get hives. You're like, oh, I can't anymore. I'm so strapped, right? Maybe you feel empty physically, whether through an accident or through age or through natural consequences of past decisions. Your body's just not what it used to be. And even simple things take a lot of effort now. Maybe you're feeling empty in some other way and you find yourself here wondering today, you know, what do I have to give? Okay, great. So my life's supposed to be this great gift to the world. What does it even look like? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about that today about that by looking at the book of Exodus. 
In the book of Exodus, God is building this nation of Israel out of this freshly freed group of former slaves. When we talk about a community that has seemingly nothing to give, these guys are at the top of the list. They have just been freed and they literally have nothing. And um, this is going to be a little bit shorter sermon today because I have some testimonies at the end. So I'm going to speed through this a little quickly. But I want you to know, leading up to this scripture passage here, what's just happened is God has just freed the people of Israel from 400 years of slavery. He saved them from the might of Pharaoh by splitting the Red Sea. And he led them to Mount Sinai, where he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And then now at this point, he is trying to help the Israelites construct this tabernacle, this tent of meeting that will physically, spiritually, and symbolically sit at the very center of the community, where they will get to meet with God face to face. In this passage, God is having the community come together to make a place in which he can dwell. And so he is telling Moses how to make that happen. And that's where we pick up today. And this is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You're to receive the offering uh, for me from everyone whose heart prompts them to give. These are the offerings you'd receive from them. Gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and another type of durable leather, acacia wood, olive oil for light, spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense, onyx stones, and other gems. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a lot to give for people who have nothing, right? But we'll come back to that in a moment. The scripture goes on. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom and with understanding. Moreover, I have appointed Aholiab, son of Ahissamach, of the tribe of Dan to help him. Moses said to the whole community, this is what the Lord has commanded from what you have taken offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering, and then he goes and lists all the things I said again. And then he says, all who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved them came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. Then Moses summoned Bezalel and Aholiab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had brought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring freewill offerings morning after morning. And then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp saying, No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more, because they already had, uh, what they already had was more than enough to do all of the work. So this freshly freed group of slaves have next to nothing. And yet in this passage, they give all of this stuff to God. And not only that, but they give three kinds of categories of things to God. And what I want to do today is look at these three things the Israelites give because they're the same three things you and I have to give as well. And you may be thinking to yourself, I don't even know what acacia is, and so I don't have that kind of wood. And that's okay. That's not what I'm talking about. But the first thing that they give that you and I also have to give is the most invisible, elusive, but also the most essential. And that's time. The first and most important thing is time. To some, time may not seem like much, right? But uh, it's one resource we can never get more of. Whatever we give our time to is what we give our life to. And you will give your life to something. The good news is you get to decide what that is. And if you're wondering what you're giving your life to right now, evaluating your time is a pretty good place to start. The Israelites are choosing to give their lives to something too. They journey out, their journey out of slavery has been very difficult, and some of them wanted to go back and give their lives back to Pharaoh because it was more familiar, it was comfortable, it was predictable, even though it was painful and oppressive. And so those folks gave their lives to their fears. Others gave their lives to their greed on this desert journey. They complained about what God didn't provide instead of what he did provide. They didn't want the manna they wanted meat instead, telling God their discontent, wishing that he had given them something different. And these folks give their lives to their greed. Others give their lives to other gods. While Moses is up on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, the Israelites and Aaron get anxious. I mean, he's been gone 40 days, no cell phones, no texts, no word from him. And so they give tons of treasure 
uh, to Aaron and they forge a golden calf to worship as a god instead. And then finally, there's a whole other group that gives their lives to God. And like the Israelites, all of us will give our lives to something. And the good news is we get to choose what it is and we get to choose what it isn't. So you may be here this morning feeling like you don't have much to give, but I bet you do have time. Now, there are some seasons where we have more time, right? Like while we're in high school or middle school, while we're single or maybe we're young married without a lot of extra commitments. Like when we're retired or empty nesters. In these seasons, we have a little bit more time. And there are seasons that are, uh, we have a lot less time, right? These seasons where we don't have a whole lot uh, of margin, like when we have young kids or babies, when we're in a health crisis, when we're going to college, when we're taking care of an ailing parent, right? In these seasons, our time is strapped. However, in every season, we don't have no time. We just have more or less. But all of us have time to give. The second thing the people of Israel give that we also have to give is their talents. You see, notice the Lord calls on a man named Bezalel and a man named Aholiab. Great names, by the way. I mean, come on. You want to name your kid that, I can tell. And he says, all who are skilled among you as well. Now, the Lord specifically said he had filled Bezalel and Aholiab with the Spirit of God, with understanding and with knowledge and with all kinds of skills. And so let me ask you a question. How much of that filling of God's Spirit to like know how to do all this art, how much of that do you think happened in an instant? And how much of that do you think happened over time? We'll never know exactly because the scripture isn't explicit about the ratio, you know. But uh, we do know from our own experience of life that God often builds gifts he calls us to use into our lives over the course of our whole lives. And that there are divine moments when things kind of click into place. Not only that, but there's a whole group of skilled people that are not said that they've been gifted by the Holy Spirit that God calls to do the work. They just have skills. They just have skills in areas of of fabric and of metalwork and of woodworking and of gold. And what this means is that God supernaturally blessed and empowered Bezalel for this work, but he also used the suffering and injustice of slavery to build some of those skills into his community that he would use many years later. I mean, just imagine that, that some of these people were learning how to work in fabric, were learning how to work on wood, were learning how to work with metals as slaves. And at the time, it just felt like oppression. But they didn't know that God was actually preparing them for what a greater purpose down the road. And that this moment as they are making this community of God is why they learned those skills. Now, just like the people in this passage, the same is true for us. You know, when we come to know Jesus and we're given the Holy Spirit, Um, When we return to the Father and accept Jesus' payments for our sin, the Holy Spirit gives us all spiritual gifts. Now, we don't have time to get into all the spiritual gifts, but I'd encourage you to read Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 to get a, a really good list. But I just want you to know, there are gifts God has given you miraculously by His Spirit. And when I think of spiritual gifts, I think of Bob Tissett, who has spoken for us before. You see, Bob has a spiritual gift of preaching, and let me tell you why. This summer, Lucian and I counseled at Bear Lake Bible Camp, and I was in a room of like 200 middle schoolers and the person they put in front of those middle schoolers to capture their attention for an hour and 15 minutes to hear about God was a man in his 70s who spoke in a low voice and with uh, low energy, Bob Tissett. (laughs) That should never have worked. And yet every time Bob spoke to those kids, oh my gosh, they experienced Jesus. Every single one of those sessions we walked out, They were like, oh my goodness, that was so powerful. And when we asked for evaluations at the end of the week, you know what our cabin's number one thing was? It was Bob. It was Bob. Only God can do that. There's no way that that should make sense. And yet, God God gave Bob this spiritual gift. However, not all the skills that that God uses to build the tabernacle, like I said, are, are spiritual. Some are natural abilities that he just built into people over time. And when I think of natural abilities, I think of things like how Francis and Jenna know how to speak Japanese from their time in Japan for a few years. I think of how Nick Angler and Ron Royer know how to work with wood and do carpentry. I think of Mark Carver and his knowledge of real estate. And I think of Aaron Alberts and his understanding of how to start and grow businesses. I think of Debbie Huslemke and all of her experience and finances with the Ford family and Detroit athletes. These are skills that get built into us so that we can give them as a gift to God and God's people. And then by extension to the world. So we can give our time, we can give our talents. And the last thing that we can give is our treasure. Now I find it fascinating to see all this list of resources that God lists. Some of these resources are made by people, like the olive oil, for example. 
Some are scavenged by people and found like the ore and the gold. And some are just straight up money that they got from other places. Now they're all valuable goods, but they're not all gold or silver. You know, goats, for example, were a tool for generating food and clothing and future animals. Blue purple scarlet yarn um, was rare and hard to make. And so it was often reserved for royalty. Um, and, and perfume was very expensive and, and it was truly a true commodity. Imagine smelling something good in a time when soap didn't exist. You know what I mean? I mean, it's just, there's all these things that have value. Uh, it's not all of them are cold, hard cash. Now, one of the interesting things about these resources is to look back at how this group of newly freed slaves acquired so much wealth. And I mean, when we look back, we see God made their former, master, former masters favorably disposed towards them. While Pharaoh was being stubborn, God was growing a compassion for the people of Israel in the hearts of the Egyptians. And so when they left, God told them, ask the Egyptians to give you some goods as you go. And that's where they got all these materials. And one of the cool things about that is just like everything they had to give the temple was given to them by God, uh, just because they asked and he told them to, the same is true of us. All of us came into this world with nothing. No money, no job, no assets, no cars, no computers. And all of us will leave this world with none of those things. But God has given us all the materials and valuables we have, be it instruments, be it technology, be it um, money, be it assets, be it investments. He's given us all of those things. But at the end of the game, they all go back in the box. So it's right now that we get to choose what to do with them. And God is asking for not just the Israelites, but for us to give them as a gift to his kingdom. Now, I want to point out, he says, all he invites all who are willing to give. Because a gift that's given in bitterness and resentment is not a gift. It's a curse with a price tag on it. <laughs> it looks like a gift, but it's not. And so um, as we think about what does it look like here to give our time, our talents, and our treasures as a gift to the world, um, I, I want to do two things. First of all, I, I want to invite the staff to come and speak now. I've asked each of them uh, to come and talk to you because the, here's the deal. Is the staff... They, they didn't, weren't born into church staff, right? <laughs> Their testimonies are very varied. They weren't like groomed into this over time. But what happened was they just said yes to giving in their time and their talent and their treasures at their local church. And over years, God formed his purposes and calling in them. And now they're in this place today. And I want to ask each of them to share a little bit of how their small yeses and their time, talent, and treasures grew into a revelation of God's purpose for them and their gift to the body of Christ. And I want to invite you into some of those same yeses when they're done. Hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Marissa Parham. And in case you don't know me, I am the worship leader here at Life Church Livonia. And now for digital service, usually I'm on that side of the camera, which is my preference. Uh, however, I believe that God generally calls me out of my comfort zone, which usually has to do to fear, and into faith throughout my life. And it seems to be the pattern through my life. And this is just another example of that and what I'm talking about to you today. I remember being in seventh grade, uh, singing in choir, doing my thing, just singing harmonies and blending in. Love it. It's my favorite. Then out of nowhere, one of the girls next to me said that I had a pretty voice. Now, I'm curious what you think my response was to that statement. And it's probably not what you think. <laughs> As you've seen me on stage generally every week, you know what I did? I started to tear up and freak out really hard on the inside. <laughs> I was like, why are you listening to me? I said that in my head, of course, but I was so embarrassed. Fast forward to eighth grade in choir, we had vocal tests and had to record ourselves via the ancient method of the tape recorder. <laughs> I think I must have done decently enough after my choir teacher asked if my friend Katie and I would consider auditioning for Honors Choir together. It was an extracurricular vocal program through uh, the state of Michigan. All these Michigan schools came together and did this. I was so scared, but my mom and my dad encouraged me to try, to do it. I, I wanted to, but I also just didn't want to. Uh, but somehow I pushed through my fear in this. 
following the audition, all the people who auditioned with these beautiful voices from all different schools came together to sing. As soon as everyone began to sing with uniform vowel shapes, unison uh, in unison and harmony, I was utterly blown away. It was a very holy moment to me. Time stood still, it felt like. I felt like God had just put this gift of music in my lap. I became aware of it. I felt like that's what I should do with my life somehow in that moment. Had I not said yes and pushed through my fear and the comfort of what I had known, I certainly would not be here before you today. Fast forward to high school, continuing through choir, my youth group leader knew that I had been learning guitar. He asked if I would consider leading worship for youth group sometime. Uh, but playing and singing uh, at the same time was not something I was particularly skilled in, let alone singing solo by myself. But despite my fear, I said yes, and eventually I learned. Fast forward, and uh, Pastor Jeff encouraged me to lead worship to Jesus for the main service at church. I was scared, but I said yes. In high school, meanwhile, I fell in love with the I Heart Revolution film that Hillsong had put out at the time. It really rocked my world. To see people worshiping with music to Jesus with free, abandon, love, passion, and reverence in every tongue and every nation, it was so artistic too. To see that and the unifying nature of music with guitars and drums and keys, along with these previous experiences that I had just stirred my heart. I believe God used that to inspire me in worship to him. Then, uh, fast forward, I decided to go to Spring Arbor University and they had a worship arts leadership program there. So I decided to study that. I auditioned for a traveling worship team called Wellspring and placed on my team was this fine ginger man named Sam Parham. We served camps. Uh, we taught teenagers about Jesus and his love for them and led them in worship. That experience unified Sam and I. And now Sam and I are married. We met Alex <laughs> through these experiences and have a band together, all of which were on Wellspring at one point. We all were part. Had I not said yes and pushed through my fear and the comfort of what I had known, I don't believe I'd be here before you today. I don't believe I'd known my husband or some of my closest friends. My journey with Jesus has not been easy. I've wrestled with much doubt, fear, and insecurity throughout my life. <laughs> But God meets me when I push through my fear and give him my yes in faith. I believe that he'll meet me and sustain me now. And that's what I'm doing before you now. Alex asked me back in 2021 if I would consider applying for this job. And after many months of prayer, I said yes. I had to pray about letting go of some securities in my life and the comfort of working behind a computer. That was a good season for me. Security isn't bad. Sam and I are choosing to be wise with our resources. Computer work isn't bad, but for me, I felt like I was wired to be more relational and maybe God was calling me into a role with people. I believe that he would guide me and sustain me if he wanted me to do this role. I felt like he put this desire and ability for music into me to lead people to him through it. So I said yes to Life Church Livonia. I said it scared, <laughs> but I said yes. At each stage of my life, God has invited me into a new yes of serving him. And because I've said yes to worship, I met my husband, developed some of my closest friendships, and discovered the places I feel made to serve him. The biggest gifts in my life have come through saying yes despite my fear. So I ask you today, where might God want to move you from fear or comfort and into faith? Where might fear or comfort be getting in the way of you growing in saying yes to something that would serve Jesus or his people? Where might it be getting in the way of you worshiping him freely, growing in your character and bearing fruit? I want to invite you to consider saying yes to auditioning for the worship team if you do have musical ability. I'm looking for people who have musical skill and are hungry for Jesus. I'm looking for people who would consider running ProPresenter or the soundboard to facilitate our worship experience or creating graphics or visuals for people 
for our church that inspire. Perhaps social media or photography that capture the heart of Life Church Livonia and our community and express that to the, to the digital realm. Helping film or edit our digital services. Any of these artistic means to advance God's kingdom. I don't want you to say yes because I need someone to fill a slot. But I want you to say yes so that you can discover your place to serve in the body of Jesus and live out your spiritual gifts and abilities in his kingdom. Thanks, guys. Good morning, Life Church Livonia. I'm Bettina, and I have the absolute pleasure of leading our Life Kids ministry here at Life Church Livonia. Um, so I was asked to put together this testimony, and I've got five to eight minutes, but what are they going to do? Take the microphone away on me? <laughs> Actually, they can because this is a digital service, but strap in, folks. Here we go. So if I were going to list out the reasons why um, I started serving in children's ministry before it became my job, it would include things like giving back and uh, it takes a village and, uh, oh, this is a great way to meet people. We're in a new place. Those things are all true, of course, and they're great starting points. But I have come to learn that there is so much more that I just didn't understand. I am a church kid. I grew up in church. Uh, I was at church every week. I like to joke that I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. Probably wasn't true. Actually, I think I was born on a Monday. Um, but my family was often the first people to show up to set things up on Sunday morning and often among the last people to leave. I was in Sunday school or children's church is what they called it back uh, in my area. Um, and that allowed me to have a really, really good foundation of knowledge and um, things that I knew that I could draw from as I started my faith journey. But here's the thing, when I look back on my childhood and my faith journey as I'm, I'm thinking through that, I don't remember the Bible stories. I don't remember the scripture memorizations and I don't think about the songs. I don't even think about the sword drills. You guys ever do those? You have like your Bible and you hold it up in the air, the pastor reads out like his random verse and you have to open it up and be the first person to like find it and read it out loud. It helped if you knew the books of the Bible. Anyway, uh, I was like really good at that, I'm not gonna lie. Um, but seriously, when I think about my faith journey, I think about my grandma who would load me and my siblings up in her old station wagon, go and pick up some of our friends, other people in our neighborhood, and take us to Bible club on Wednesdays. I think about the lady who taught our children's church on uh, Sunday mornings when I was in like fifth grade every week. I think about my, the leaders of mine that I had at spring break uh, camp when we went to sleepaway camp and how they took time out of their lives and invested in my life. And I know now that when you work with kids, you have the chance to become a main character in somebody else's story. So when I first started serving in children's ministry, I did it to fill a need. And I spent a lot of my adult years saying things like, oh yeah, I just serve with four and five year olds. But guys, those four to five year olds are people, people that God created and that are going to grow up and Lord willing become teenagers and then young adults and then old adults and they're going to get married maybe and maybe they're going to have some kids of their own. But the impact that I had, whether it is good or bad on those um, four to five year olds when I served two or three times a month, that has helped form them into who they're going to be. So here at Life Church Livonia, we have our kids. In, in in-person worship service, we have our kids who join us for the singing portion. The fancy word for that is intergenerational worship. And there are many, many reasons why we do that. I'm not going to list them all here. It's not the time. It's not the place. But I am going to share one of them with you today. One of the reasons that we have our kids with us while we're praising God is that when uh, a group of adults and people come together and they praise the Lord together, um, our children and our youth that are part of our community have a chance to see uh, other adults praising God and worshiping God and giving of themselves. And that is um, amazing. And it is something that you just can't, you can't learn about until you see it, right? And then when the kids go off into their life kids, there are real adults with real lives who are taking time out of most of them have really busy schedules and they're being intentional um, and connecting with these kids. So the preschoolers, they do a lot of playing, but the leaders in there are using play and arts and crafts and music to connect the truth um, that everyday activities can show them that God loves them. Our elementary small group leaders are using activities to, and discussions to connect the real 
things that happen in a kid's life to how that child fits into God's big story. And even our babies in the nursery, they're being cared for and having their most, most basic needs, the needs for being safe and loved, um, they're having those met. We want all of our kids here to grow up seeing church as a safe place to be, a safe place to grow, and a safe place to share. And at the end of the day, it's not about what Bible stories a kid knows. It's not about how many scriptures they can recite or if they can tell you the books of the Bible in order. It's about helping kids tap into their God-ordained gifts of wonder, discovery, and passion, and how that can change their lives and the lives of the people around them. So I'm going to invite you now to check out our ministry. If there's anything that I've said um, that resonates with you, and if you believe in kids' ministry and you want to help out, please come have a conversation with me. If you are not a kid person, dude, I get it. I have been there. Let's have a conversation. There are um, so many ways that you can be part of a ministry that don't involve being a kid person. So come hang out with us. Uh, and let's have a conversation about what, how you can be part of a child's story. When I started out serving in children's ministry, I had no intentions of doing this for a job. But because I said yes to something small and then so yes to something else, I have now been able to um, have this position where I have the ability to see the way that God just works and moves in the lives of these people. So maybe it's your time to say yes. Good morning, everybody. My name's Kate. For those of you who don't know, I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I get the privilege of handling our small groups and our connections and first impressions teams, and I get to talk about our outreach stuff. But today, what I wanted to talk about was how I got to where I am because it's a little bit unusual. I started into my relationship with the Lord pretty haphazardly, as I do many things in my world. Uh, but about 14 years ago, I had started to attend a church. I sat in the same spot every Sunday. I started serving and I was serving every single weekend as I usually do. I was all in and I joined four different small groups because I was like, this is what you tell me to do. I'm going to do it as intensely as possible. So I really dove in. I really was like, okay, I'm at this church and I'm going to build relationships. And I showed up every single weekend and I was doing all the things that everybody was telling me to do. And I was just having the darndest time getting connected. I could not find my community. I could not find my people. And after doing it for about a year and a half, getting baptized, becoming a member, like all of these things I did at this church, and I was just could not find real meaningful community. People were nice. They were kind. The people who sat near me every Sunday were very nice to me, but they just didn't really... It really wasn't home. And I had, during this time, started serving at another church and building relationships and making friends. And um, I didn't just want to leave this church that I was calling home because I had made friends at another church. But over the course of that year and a half that I was at this one church, trying desperately to build relationships, I was actually building meaningful relationships at this other church. So all of a sudden, I was struck with this thought that God really had more for me. He had more for me in my relationships. He had more for me in my service. And so I emailed that church and the lead pastor and said like, hey, I'm switching over to this other church. And I never heard from that pastor. And at the time, I didn't think very critically of it. I just thought like very busy. It is what it is. And I started attending weekly at this other church and I started to be known. I started to be cared for. People started to show up in my world in a way that I hadn't experienced at this other church. Now, there's nothing wrong with that community. It's what they were doing. And, and quite frankly, I think that God just simply had more for me. And it's in that story of what happened at this other church and my movement into this other community that I ended up graduating from school and I had no job lined up. And one of the pastors at this church that I was now actively engaged in came up to me and was like, hey, Kate, I think you should apply for this position. And I laughed and said, no, thank you. I am not qualified to be a part of a church community staff. Like, that's just bonkers. I'm like a baby Christian. Well, after three months, I still didn't have a job lined up. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply for this role. I'm going to just go in. I'll never get it, but I need the interview experience. And so I applied for this job and I was like, oh my gosh, I got the job, you guys. I couldn't believe it. God had so much in store for me. 
And in my, inadequ- in, in my inadequacies, the Lord filled that gap. He called me into this place because I knew. I knew what it was to be a part of a community where I wasn't seen or known or supported. And it was in this process of becoming on staff that I was able to use my experience of not being loved and seen and cared for, even though I was in hot pursuit of doing those things, God was able to use that. Because what I learned in that, what I learned in that was that it matters how we greet people when they walk up to the front door. It matters what happens once they're standing there with a cup of coffee awkwardly, uncertain about where to go and and who to talk to, that I'm able to take my passion and my desire for somebody to feel seen and loved and cared for and help new people who are walking through our doors know that they matter here. And not just that we want to be a kind and friendly church, but we want to be a welcoming community where we are learning how to love and see each other. And so what my call to action for you is, is when you see somebody who's hanging out at church and you've never met them before, don't just be kind, don't just be nice. Seek to really get to know them. And consider joining my first impressions team. Be a part of the greeting team. Be a part of the hospitality team because it's more than just offering a warm and friendly face. It's about helping people find a home. Because what we want more than anything in this world is to be seen and known. And I'll tell you right now, it's actually really scary to truly be seen and to truly be known. But that's where the Lord works. That's where the Holy Spirit is able to transform the innermost wounded parts of our lives. And you get to be a part of that when you serve on the First Impressions teams. When you serve and you do outreach and you get to care for people. That is what God has called us to do. It's not just about showing up and being nice. It's about showing up and being vulnerable and desiring to really know and love one another. So, would you be interested in helping people find a true and uh, welcoming home where they can experience the love of God today? Thank you guys so much for sharing. I'm so grateful for each of you and so proud of how God uh, has shaped all of you. And here's my hope. Uh, My hope is that as you say yes to giving of your time, talent, and treasures here at Life Church Livonia. Um, my hope is that the next worship leader, the next lead pastor, the next connections pastor, the next associate pastor, the next children's director are here listening to this and that God is going to grow through your simple yes, a life that's a gift to the world as you give of your time, talent, and treasures in simple ways. And I just want you to know as we end today, your life is a gift to give. And the question is, what will you give it to? And I want to invite you to give in a couple different ways here at Life Church. First of all, I want to invite you into a first serve. A first serve is simply that you can sign up for any of the ministries that Kay and Bettina and Marissa invited you into. And um, you can try it one time. And if you don't like it, no harm, no foul. You don't have to sign up for it. But you can just try some places to see where there's a fit with your spiritual gifts, your natural abilities, where you want to give your time. And then I also want to invite you into two different ways to give of your treasure specifically. Uh, Like I said at the beginning, we're doing this uh, home campaign for a building. And this coming Friday night is our fundraiser dinner. But we're making commitments to give over the next two years towards what God is doing here. And I want to invite you to that. We're trying to get a final count. And so I want to really push you. Today is the last day to sign up. And I want to push you to be there. And I want to push you to consider giving to what God uh, is doing at Life Church Livonia and wants to do in Metro Detroit through this church. And then finally, one of the things I wanted to talk about together is a a church family. So if you're a guest this morning, I just want to let you know you're off the hook here. Be our guest, okay? I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm just glad you're here. Uh, But for those of us that call Life Church Livonia home, I wanted to let you know that we have a budget shortfall this year. We're going to be bringing in probably around $34,000 less than our approved budget. Now, the good news is we're spending less than we're bringing in. So we're not at a deficit but we are at a shortfall. And one of the interesting things about that is that we've grown on average by over 40 people per week at our church since January, which is an amazing thing, and I praise God for that. But the number of folks giving at our church hasn't increased since January. It's actually dropped a little bit. And that means that there are people here right now who call Life Church Livonia home, but have yet to start giving of their treasure to what God is doing here. And I just want to let you know... If six of you decided to start giving $87 a week to Life Church Livonia, all of our budget 
both this year and next year would be totally taken care of. I mean, that's not a ton. And for some of you that feels like too much and hey, I just wanna invite you, it's not about the number, right? It's about the sacrifice. And maybe for you, all you can do is 30 bucks a week. Maybe for you, all you can do is 50 bucks a week. Maybe you could do 200 bucks a week, but it's just going other places right now. And I just wanna push and encourage you that if you call Life Church Livonia home, we need you. And uh, my hope is that we grow by six to 12 folks who are regularly giving uh, in the next year. And that would take care of all of our budgetary needs here at this church, not just for this fiscal year, but also for the next one as well. And so I just wanna invite you to consider that. And again, if you're our guest, be our guest. And if you feel resentful and frustrated that I'm even asking you that, I don't want the gift, right? I don't want a gift that comes with resentment and bitterness. That's not a gift, right? So, but I do wanna challenge you to consider that. And so I just wanna ask you right now um, to consider giving of your time, talent, and treasures here at Life Church Livonia. Not because it's all about the church, not because there's not other ways to do it. And that, you know, so many people are giving in so many other areas, but it's through the local church and serving, I learned how to talk to people I don't know. It's through the local church and serving, I learned how to play music and guitar. It's through the local church and serving that I learned how to follow Jesus. And I want to invite you into that, not because we need something from you and are trying to take, but because it's a gift to serve. And we want to help you cultivate a life that's a gift to the world. And so I just want to invite you into that and let you know that the reason we do this is because Jesus gave his life as a gift for us, that he died on the cross for our sins, totally free of charge. And he invites us into new life and life to the full in him, that when we say yes to Jesus as Lord of our life, our forgiveness, he forgives all of our sins and we receive new life, both in this life and in eternity. And I want to invite you into that. And so today, whether you are uh, considering and giving in a new way of your time, talent, and treasures. And I think it's interesting. God doesn't ask the Israelites for their time or their talent or their treasures, right? It's not like a pick and choose. He asks them for all three because they make up a human life and he wants the whole of our lives because he gave the whole of his life for us. And so I just want to invite you to pray with me right now, either to receive Jesus for the first time or to just do business with God and see what he might be asking you to do as we take a step of faith. And I just want you to know too, if you're a faithful person here at Life Church Livonia, you're serving, you're giving, and you're giving to the building campaign, this is not for you, okay? You're doing amazing. And I just want to say, keep up the good work. Uh, but if you're coming to Life Church Livonia and have yet to partner with us in serving or giving, this is my challenge to you. So would you pray with me? Father, I just ask that you would uh, move in power in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would root out things in us that are not Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would forgive our sins and that, Lord, you would bring them to our, uh, the sins that we're blind to, you'd bring to our eyes. That we might see, Lord, in turn and do something new. Father, I pray in each of us that you would cultivate a life that's a gift to the world. And Lord, I pray that you would direct us to know how you're asking us to use, of our, uh, use our time, our talent, and our treasures to give our life as that gift. Lord, I pray that we would um, stay humble and surrendered to you knowing that, Lord, every gift we give uh, is, needs to be multiplied by you to do your work. So, Lord, we just come before you asking that you provide for us in every way, asking that you give us faith to step out, Lord, where it's scary. And, Lord, I pray that you would uh, move the kingdom of heaven here in Metro Detroit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed with me, if you have more questions, if you want more information about how to start a relationship and walk in a relationship with Jesus, or you just want to know what next steps are available and how to engage in them, please reach out to us via the digital bulletin. Thank you so much for that word of truth. We love the way that God is always at work inside of us. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. And don't forget that next weekend we are having our baptism service. You're going to be able to experience the testimonies right here. And then we are going to stream live, not super high tech, but join us because we are real people in pursuit of a real God in real relationship together. And we're going to celebrate the work that God is doing inside of our baptism candidates' lives. So thank you guys so much for being here and we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye.